together I want to challenge you with the word and I really encourage you if you don't have a notepad if you don't have a piece of paper then you need to destroy an offering envelope somewhere around you tonight because you need to be taking notes anytime you're in the church I, I can't say this strong enough you need to take notes in the hats if you've got a tablet if you've got an iPhone something like that then that's great use that but one thing I would say try and put it on airplane mode so you don't have people texting in and you don't have just your status update on Facebook and everything. Why? Because it can be so easily distracting from what God wants to speak into your life and what God wants to say to your life tonight. And I'm actually going to share a teaching with you all that I went over with our lead team. The lead team at the church, we meet on a monthly basis and, and we just go over just church life, church business. And every time I sit down and I teach them leadership training because I want to develop them and build them, just like we in turn want to build our teams in each one of you. And so some of the things for our lead team tonight are going to be f- familiar to them. But I just really believe that there are so many incredible leadership principles from God's word that we need to have. And I know tonight we're going to say leadership a lot. Because that's what you are. You're a leader. You are a minister in the house of God. You're here to serve and you're here to work. So we need to develop our lives and we need to grow our lives. So I want to give you tonight seven distinguishing factors for your life. How many? We're going to give you seven distinguishing factors. How many knows that distinguishing factors are a good thing? Because it means it will set you apart above everyone else. It means if you're at school, you get these things right. Come on, you're going to be better than anyone else in your class. Come on, it means if you're at work, you're going to be better than anyone else. And again, when we say better, it's not that we are better, but it's we do better through the lives and the actions of our life. But I believe as children of God, we should distinguish ourselves above the crowd. I believe you should be the best worker that your boss has got. Come on, I'm tired of hearing people say don't employ them because they go to church. Come on, I'm tired of not being able to recommend people to Tamara Cleans because nearly everyone I've recommended has bailed on her and hasn't done a good job. I'm tired of church people being like that. Come on, we talked about it today. Come on, we're we're too dignified. We're changing some things up. We're going to be different with that. But we're looking at ways that we can distinguish ourselves, things that will lift us above the crowd that will get us the notice that we need. And I just really believe they're very practical, but they're very life-changing, and they'll really help your life tonight. So point number one, are you ready? Your behavior determines your culture. Your behavior determines the culture around you, your life, okay? Your behavior determines your culture or the culture around you. It sets the standard of the world that you live in. Behavior is a very important thing. A lot of people need to learn how to behave. 
and know how to behave and what to say and when to say and when not to say things is a good lesson that we could all learn. Listen, if you don't like what's happening around you today, start looking at what's happening within you. Come on. If you don't like what's happening around you, you can turn on the news and we don't like what we're seeing. We don't like this. But instead of pointing the finger at everyone else, if we don't like it, then our behavior determines the culture or the environment of the life that we live in. So if we don't like what's happening around us, we need to first start and ask ourselves the question, what's happening within me? And look to make the changes from the inside out. We talk a lot about culture here because we believe in culture. Because vision is where we're going, but culture is how we're going to get there. Okay? Vision is the direction. Culture is the way in which we will step that out. So it's so important. We looked at the culture of our church. And one of the things that we determined is that we want a culture of love. We want people to step into the doors and they feel loved and feel accepted no matter who they are. I pray that we've done a good job with that, but I will say this, we haven't done a good enough job. And we still need to change that. So how do we change the culture? By our behavior. How do we change what we want to see happening around us by that which takes place inside of us? We've got to set the standard. What do we want our lives to really look like? Ask yourself that question. What do I want the culture? What do I want my life to really look like? Because if I want it to look this way, then I've got to start acting that way. If I want it to change, then I need to maybe make some changes in my life. Come on, we go through. We've got kids at school. We know a lot of you have you know, kids at school. It's never their fault. Anyone know that? Never their fault. It's everyone else's fault. It's the teacher's fault. They just haven't got a clue. They didn't tell them about the test. No one knew about the test. Nothing. No one, you know, that, that it's always someone. Out. Come, on, come on, anyone with me on that? And you, if you don't have kids at school, then you were once at school and everyone else's fault. And it's all those kind of things. There's got to be a come a time in our lives where we've got to throw our hands in the air and say, you know what, I've got to ta- start taking responsibility. And I believe that's a distinguishing factor for each one of our lives, that we need to take responsibility for the behavior of our life. Because the behavior of our life is going to create the atmosphere around us, the culture around us. So what do I want my life to look like? Really, what do I want the culture of my life to look like? Here's the next question. Are you ready? How do I get there? What needs to happen to get there? Because culture will follow behavior, but the opposite is not true. Come on. You've got to watch. You, you gotta, you, it will follow your behavior. But if you don't watch, come on, the opposite. You've got to watch all those kind of things because behavior will also change the right culture. So you've got to watch your behavior. It's so important because how you act is how your life is going to be. Okay? Culture needs to be right. My behavior needs to be all right. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to be a happy-go-lucky person. I love that. I, I, I like to be in an environment of fun. But I don't want to develop a culture around me that everything's a joke. My behavior determines that. See that? So we've got to watch, how many knows that sometimes you've got to be stern in your life? You, you've got to make decisions and you've got to make choices. But I don't want to build a culture that is just so regimental and strict and religious that it's miserable and boring and no one wants to be around me. So I've got to watch what I'm trying to create and I've got to be constant in that because 
I'm looking for something that's sustainable. There's a lot of people who blow in and blow out. That's not a distinguishing factor. You've got to get the right behavior because the right behavior will set the right culture of your life. Ask yourself the questions. What do I want my life to look like? How do I get there? How do I sustain that? How do I keep that? Is it okay? Here's the second point. Are you ready? Your attitude determines the atmosphere. Your attitude determines the atmosphere. Have you ever walked into a happy place? Have you ever walked into a place where everyone's just like smiling and everyone's like upbeat, everyone's welcoming? You know what it does? It changes the whole environment, doesn't it? changes the whole atmosphere. You can be having a rough day and you just walk into this place. If you've ever gone to Disney World, you can be having the roughest day in the world and you just step in there and just everyone, the atmosphere, the excitement, just the energy from people changes everything in your life. Have you ever walked into a not such a happy place? (laughs) Can suck out what? Can suck out the atmosphere. Just how it is Your attitude will not only affect you, but it affects others too. So you've got to watch. How's my attitude? We talk about attitude determines altitude, how far I go. But it determines the atmosphere. It determines whether people want to be around me, whether people want to hang out and be around. We've got to get to a place where we're positive, upbeat, and happy. There's so much misery, gloom, and doom out there. I want to attract people with a what? Attractive atmosphere. Just an attractive attitude that I have in my life that doesn't mean everything goes well and everything's perfect, but it just means I'm making the best of everything and I'm doing the best with everything I have. Because remember, the happiest people don't necessarily have the best of everything. Come on, they just make the best of everything. And that's what we've got to realize. Well, if only I had this then. Then what? You would want something more. You'd never be happy. You've just proved the fact that you'll never be happy because if I could have that, then I would be. No, you wouldn't because you've already said that so many times in your life. Your attitude determines the atmosphere. We're a thermostat for where we're at, meaning we determine the temperature of everyone else that's around us. No one likes working in a temperature where it's freezing cold. No one likes working in the extreme where it's too hot. Everyone wants to work in a nice, mellow environment. Come on, your attitude determines the atmosphere, the temperature, what's going on all around you. So avoid the extremes and live your life with purpose. And again, if you don't like the atmosphere, change your attitude. Simple. Number three, you ready? Is this okay? Your values will determine your decisions. Your values determine your decisions. You've got to know your values and what you stand for. We're going to be talking about this next Sunday as a church. I addressed it just briefly this morning. But we are in a cultural shift right now. Things are happening in our nation that haven't happened for years and have never happened before. They've never passed laws like they did last week. Things are happening. There's a shift. Things are changing all around us. And we're going to be talking about how to have values that no matter what changes around us, we can be constant and remain the same. And that is so important today because you know what? With all these things that are going on, you know where the world is looking? The world is looking to the church. 
The world is looking to your response. How are you going to respond on Facebook? How are you going to respond to this? And I'm telling you, when we respond with our values and not our opinions, it makes a massive difference in our lives. Because we need to know our values. We need to be ready to tell other people about our values. We need to let people know, if you're going to be around me, here's what you can expect and here's what don't expect. Here's what I allow. Here's what's permissible. Here's what I accept. Here's who. Come on, we've got to know our values so we can determine the right decisions for your life. Because your decisions will follow your values. If you've got no values, you've got no morals, guess what? Your decisions are going to paint the picture of that. But as you have values, it will change your decision making because now your decisions come from a balanced, stable place. It's not hard to stick to your decisions when they're based on values. Let me say that one more time. It's not hard to stick to your decisions when they're based on values because someone can come up to you and say, well, why did you make that decision? I'll tell you why, because here's a value of my life. And you're not going to waver from that because that's a value. That's something that's important for my life. And and I need to know that. Come on, today we need to know what God's word says about things. We need to know the values of our life and what's permissible and what's not and what we're going to accept and how we're going to be. But decisions that are not consistent with your values will always be short-lived. Okay, so it's easy to stick to your decisions when they're based on values. But decisions that are not consistent with your values usually are short-lived because you'll change those decisions. They'll come and go. And you'll be a fickle person. I'm going to tell you right now, never apologize for your values. Never apologize for your values. Because those values should be things that you would literally be prepared to die for and at least fight for. I think there's some values. We need to have a look. And I I don't want to keep harping on this. We're going to talk more about it next week. But I think there's some values that we need to set in our life and say, you know what, as for me and my house, we're going to follow this. may not be the popular vote and now maybe breaking the law to make a stand in that regard. But you know, at the end of the day, we've got to not fear man who can, can, you know, we've got to fear the one who can condemn our souls to hell. That's what the Bible says. I know that's bold. I know it's in your face preaching, but it's the truth. I don't fear man who can't do much to me. I've got to fear the, the man who can condemn my soul. That's the one I've got to please. And if your values are unsure, you're, likewise, your decisions will be unsure. Someone who makes stupid decisions is because they have no values in their life. They have no value code to follow. James tells us this, a double-minded man or woman, a double-minded person will be unstable in all their ways. At home, at work, in their finances, with their children, in the grocery store, saving, spending, every decision of their life is going to be what? Unstable. Why? Because they're double-minded. Your values need to be your core beliefs. Whatever you embrace will come out in the decisions of those around you. Think about that. And that's why it's so important. Whatever you embrace will come out in the decisions of those. As a parent, if you have the right values and make the right decisions, guess the decisions and the values that's going to come out in your children around you. 
And it's so important that we're setting the standards for our lives. We can look around us at our work and people are making silly decisions. We start making the right decisions and we can change the decisions and the values of their life. We don't have to be preaching it all the time. We just need to be living it all the time. Come on, if, if you can't live it, then just shut up talking about it. Come on, we've got too many preachers and not enough reachers. What do I mean by that? Too many people want to talk about everything that's wrong, but no one wants to walk out the truth. Live in the life. Determine the values of your life so you can make the right decisions with your life. I'm telling you this. Are you ready? If you value in your life shortcuts, then people around you are going to make speedy, quick decisions too. But if you exhibit even the slightest, or if you exhibit even the slightest tolerance for dishonesty as a value in your life, then I'm telling you right now that you can bet someone around you is going to make decisions that violates the standard of integrity. So you've got to set the standards because what you set is what other people are going to do and produce around you. Christians need to be what they want to see. Let me say that one more time. Christians need to be what they want to see. You want to see things changed, then you first be it. We need to be what we need to see. Man, that would preach right there. So what are the values? Ask yourself the questions. What are the values that I need to live by? What are some values? You know, we talk about this with our kids when it comes to dating. There's things that are negotiable and there's things that are non-negotiable. You may think that you want someone tall, dark, and handsome. I'm telling you right now, blondes are the best, but there you go. Used to be blonde, gray now. And, um, but what I'm saying is this, that's negotiable. Hair color, eye color is negotiable. That's negotiable things. Height, weight, negotiable things. But I'm telling you what's non-negotiable is that they love Jesus. Come on, what's non-negotiable that they've got some kind of education or they're involved in some kind of job or they have something going on. Come on, there's things that are non-negotiable because we can't kind of do around those. They've got to be there. They're important. They're values. You've got to know the values of your life so you can make the decisions for your future. And again, if you don't like where you're going, check your values. If you don't like what's happening around you, check what's going on inside of you. Number four. Your investment will determine your return. Your investment will determine your return. In other words, what you put in will be evident by the finished product. What you put in is going to come out. So your investment, what are you investing into your life and to those around you? Because how much you put in is going to be how much you get back. You can't just throw things together and expect excellence. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You can't fluke your way into success. You may do it once or twice, but it's not going to be sustainable. No one fluked their way into being a millionaire. You may say, well, yeah, they did because they did this. They maybe fluked their way in, but they had to stay there and they had to do the work that it's taken to keep them in that place. So don't think I can have just shortcuts in my life. It's the investment of my life that's going to determine the return of my life. Look to be a planner. Look to keep time. Look to do the prep work. Do the important things that no one else sees because you're going to gain the rewards that everyone else wants. Let me say that again. Doing the things that no one else sees gains the results and the rewards that everyone wants. Oh, if only I could be like you. People don't realize the price it took 
to get you to that place. And that's what you've got to realize. We can play hard and we can pay hard. Or we can pay hard now and then we can play hard later. Too many people want to play today and they're going to pay tomorrow. Come on, we pay hard today and we can play hard. Come on, I'm looking forward to playing hard one day. Kelly and I are going to get an RV and we're going to travel all over the country one day. We're just going to enjoy life and we're just going to go. We may just go together. There you go. Just go in tandem. We'll just have a little convoy and we'll go around together. Just get rid of all the kids first and then we can go. Come on. We were just a little joke for you all. Molly, we were talking the other day about Molly and she was saying to us, you know, that she wants to be maybe a pediatric doctor and that's something that she would like to do. And so I'm like, wow, that's great. You know, that's great, Molly. You can take care of us when we get old. She goes, Dad, pediatric doctors take care of kids. I said, Molly, I know that. I'm not talking about health care. Come on now. I'm talking about money. Amen. Come on. You can take care of us. And she goes, okay, I'll buy you a condo on the beach. So I said, okay, we can handle that. Come on, your investment will determine your rewards. The seeds you sow determine the harvest you reap. Listen to this great statement by Stephen Furtick, great preacher. If you've never heard him preach, then you need to listen to him. And it says this, listen to this. I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that wasn't born from the seeds I didn't sow. I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that wasn't born from the seeds I didn't sow. Let me say that one more time. I know it's a mouthful. I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that wasn't born from the seeds I didn't sow. God, I can't believe you didn't do this in my life. Did you sow into it? So many people want to reap a harvest of something they're not prepared to sow. Sowing's hard thing to do because there's no promise of return. We like to harvest when we can see all the return and we can enjoy all of that. But sowing, it's like the little red hen. Remember when the little red hen wanted to make its supper, was it? And they went around and, will you help me bake the cake? Will you help me get the cake? Will you help me get the meal? Will you help me get the flour? Will you help me get... No one wanted to be involved and help. But when it was food time, everyone wanted to eat. Everyone wants to eat, but no one wants to do the work to produce the meal. But we do. Come on, it's a distinguishing factor. Major problems in our lives and in people's lives is this. We tend to focus more on the reaping than the sowing. And we'll never have a harvest if there's not a seed. And remember this, the seed that's in the ground is going to determine the harvest that you receive. So you've got to make sure it's the right seed so you can get the right harvest. I read this one day and I thought this was so cool. It says, you know what is worse than training your people and losing them? Is not training them and keeping them. Talking about investing in people. We want to make the investments in people. As leaders, we want to make the investments into you as team to serve together. We can see our ministries grow and we can see them flourish together. Come on, our philosophy here is we don't blame people, we train them. We invest into lives. We don't judge people until they're corrected because maybe you don't know what's right. Maybe you don't know what's expected. We think you should, but possibly you don't. So we're not going to judge you. We're not going to correct you until we deal 
with all those kind of things. So investment is key for return. Come on, I've got to go on because I need to be done. Number five, let me run through this. Number five, your character determines the trust. Your character determines the trust. Character is so important. It has to be a place where we build from because character is really who we are. As a church, we're through promoting passion and talent. Come on, I say we're through with promoting passion and talent. We're all about promoting character. Because you can have the greatest talent in the world and the greatest passion, but if you've got no character, if, you've got, if you're not a person that can sustain that, all you're going to do is sing a great song, but you're never going to really touch a life. And we're all about building character in people's life because character determines the trust that people have in you. Your character determines whether people are going to trust you, whether they're going to rely on you, whether they're going to engage with you or not. People must know who you are so they can trust what you do. Trust is not just something that's given. Trust has to be earned. Come on now. Trust has to be earned. And usually the best way to earn trust is to be tested. When you go through a test and you go through a trial and your buttons are pushed and things don't go out to right, that's the true you really surfaces during those times. So the best way to really expose who you are is to go through a test and to be heated up. In fact, the Bible, Jesus speaks about clay pots being tested under the fire. The reason he spoke about this was that they would make pots and if there was a, a, a flaw, if there was a crack in them, instead of throwing them away, what they would tend to do is people would like to be dis- Receptive and they would, they would melt wax into that crack and everything was good. It would hold water until it was put on a fire. Then the, melt, the wax would melt and it would leak. So that's why Jesus speaks about being tested on a fire. He was speaking about taking a pot because anyone who wanted a real pot would fill it with water and they would hold it over a fire. Why? Because if there was impurities in it, if there was character flaws in it, when the heat was applied, it would begin to leak. And it will begin to spill out. Come on, that's what reveals what's inside of us. Whether you pass a test or fail a test is usually always determined by your character. At school, what is the passing grade? 60, 70%? Somewhere around there is the passing grade. When it comes to trust, the only passing grade is 100%. Huh? So we've got to have the right character in our lives that will build the right trust If people cannot trust you all of the time, they will consider you untrustworthy. Let me say that one more time. If people cannot trust you all of the time, they will consider you untrustworthy. Oh, but I only just... Come on, your character, who you are, will determine your trust. Number 12. Okay, number 6. Halfway there. Number 6. Your work ethic will determine your productivity. Your work ethic determines your productivity. In other words, if you don't want to work hard, you're not going to have productivity in your life. There was a story once of a young man who was working with a Scottish guy, and this guy was such a taskmaster, and he was driving him all the time. And finally, this young man turned to the Scotsman, and he said, Sir... He said, Rome wasn't built in one day. And the Scotsman looked at him and says, Aye, laddie, but that was because I wasn't the foreman on the job. (laughs) Come on, we set the tone here tonight. We want to see people who work hard. When people say, I want to serve in our church, 
You've got to realize this. You're not serving us. You're serving God. But what people then think is, oh, it's a ministry, so I can just come and go as I want. You can't come and go as you want to be involved in ministry. It's a commitment that you make. Because if you're not there, someone else has to either fill in for you or there is a space lacking in that ministry. Oh, well, I'm just too tired to go to the nursery. You don't realize everything that it takes to run a nursery, how it needs to be. And then when people just don't show up because it's a ministry, I'm there to minister. I shouldn't have to tell people I'm doing them a favor. Listen, let me tell you something. You're here to help. You're making a commitment and you've got to realize that your work ethic determines the productivity of what's going to happen in this church. If you want to be a slacker, go and find another church. Because I really believe our work ethic really determines the heart that we have and the commitment that we have to God. Because anything of value to your life, you will roll up your sleeves and you will dig deep. And you will do whatever it takes to do. We want a whatever it takes mentality in this house. That people who want to work hard. Thomas Jefferson said it perhaps the best. He said it's wonderful how much can be done if everyone is always working. It's amazing what can be done if everyone just shoulders the load and sets the pace together. Come on, I I learned from the best. I'm telling you, my dad was never afraid of work. And I know what it is to work and and be a hard worker. I'm not afraid of work. In fact, probably work too hard sometimes. But just the work ethic of our life is producing productivity. And when we work together. And lastly, are you ready? Your growth determines your potential. Your growth determines your potential. The law of the lid. Anyone ever heard of the law of the lid? Jim, have heard of it? The law of the lid is a concept that John Maxwell has come up with, and it's a great concept. The thought is this. Where's a bottle of water? Can you pass me a bottle of water? The law of the lid goes like this. That as a leader or as a person, I cap off anything that happens underneath me. Okay? So if in leadership I'm a scale of 0 to 10, if as a leader I'm only like a 5, a level 5 kind of leader, then my effectiveness will never be greater than 5, and those around me will probably be 3s and 4s. Because I can't lead people higher than where I'm going to be a hindering factor to people around my life. Okay, so the law of the lid says this, that as you grow and as you develop and build, then the capacity is opened up beneath you that others can grow and they can expand and they can be built. So leadership literally is the glass ceiling of personal achievement. So if you want to see potential in your life, you've got to begin to grow. You've got to allow the cap, the lid of your life to begin to grow because you teach what you know, but you reproduce after who you are. So you've got to begin to change who you are. As a leader, you've got to be out in front. There's got to be constant growing and building and developing in your life because you cannot give other people what you don't have. What do we know of King David? What's one of the first things we know of David? What did he first do? What was one of the greatest exploits that he did with a sling and a stone in his hand? He went out and killed a what? He killed a lion and a bear, but what else did he kill? He killed Goliath. He killed a giant. An incredible feat to kill a giant. But you know, as you read of the men that were around David, men who were in despair, distress, and discontented, just broken down people, 
But what you will read of those people is this, that when they came under the leadership of David, that they became giant killers too. Because, you know, people can argue about it all they want, but when David went to the brook and he picked up, how many stones did he pick up? Five. Wasn't because he was a bad shot. Come on now. Wasn't because he was a bad shot and he needed extra. He didn't even really need one. God was going to be there to help him. But I'm telling you, the reason why he picked up five stones is because the Bible says Goliath had four brothers. It's four other giants. And what was David saying that day? I'm not just stopping at you. I'm going to see every one of you dead before I die. And David didn't kill any more giants, but the people around him killed the other giants around him. Why? Because he raised up giant killers because he was a giant killer. If you're not going to be a giant killer, Kristen, you're not going to have giant killers around you. Come on, if you're not going to grow, if you're not going to develop, if you're not going to see your life grow, come on, the potential around you is going to be stifled to those around you. But as you grow and you're willing to grow, come on, it's what? You never know what is available to be a part of all around you. So come on, distinguishing factors. Come on, that's seven key things I'm telling you that will change your life. What's number one? Behavior determines your culture. If I don't like what's happening around me, where do I first look? At myself. I look at what's within me. What's number two? What? Your attitude. Come on, your attitude. Get the right attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, get the right attitude. Come on, get rid of that stinking attitude. We don't want none of that in here. Because, man, you're going to pull down everyone else around you because the atmosphere is determined upon your attitude. Number three? Your values determine your decisions. If you've got low values, you'll have stinky decisions. If you're making good decisions in your life, it's because you've got good morals and biblical values in your life. Number four? Your what? Your investment. What are you investing? What seeds are you sowing? It's going to produce the harvest that you're going to get. Number five? Your character determines whether people can trust you or whether you're trustworthy in your life. You can't demand trust. It's got to be earned. So start earning it. Start earning it. Start earning it. Number six. Your work ethic determines your productivity. If you're not going to put it in, you're not going to get it out. Can't be a magic worker and you can't get five if you're not going to put two and a half together. Come on. Two and a half has got to go together to produce a five. Two and a half plus two and a half. If you're not, if you're going to put one and two, you're only going to get three. You'll never get five. don't know why I said two and a half. That's kind of crazy. (laughs) Crazy. Good number. Good number. Number seven. Your growth determines your potential. Come on. I look around me tonight and I see a potential of giant killers. I see people who are able to do great things. Oh, but Pastor Philip, I'm just clearing up puke in the nursery. Let me tell you something. Never despise serving in the house of God. Because when you serve in the house of God, you are greatest of all. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, 
We are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.